This episode of The Ride is sponsored by ADM. Gastric support just easy. Forage First GS by ADM helps provide gastric support for horses of all ages and performance levels. Performance horses today have high energy requirements and face many stressors, including exercise, hauling, and stall confinement. An estimated 90% of performance horses face stomach discomfort caused by gastric distress, which can negatively affect their performance, attitude, and overall health. The unique triple action blend of ingredients in ADM's Forage First GS supplement helps support a healthy gastric pH while protecting and strengthening the stomach lining. Helping keep your horse happy and performing at its best. Forage First GS, gastric support for the one you love most. Learn more and find your dealer at admequine.com. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Nicole. And this is Jillian. And today, uh, our uh, our podcast is going to be interviewing Jacob Berry. Uh, before we kind of talk about Jake a little bit, uh, just wanted to make a note that in this interview, Michaela is actually interviewing him with me. This was pre-recorded, so while Jillian is here doing the introduction with me, she was not part of the interview. Uh, it was still Michaela, so we just wanted to give everybody a heads up on that. But Jake is a, a really fun guy. I got to meet him in March when I took a couple horses down to Arizona. My friend has some of her, her family has some of their young horses in training with Jake, and he trains out of the same facility as Brad Bargemeyer, who is obviously a, a horse and rider on-demand expert and a longtime contributor to the magazine. So I've, I've had the uh, joy of hanging out with Jake and kind of getting you know, riding advice from him. He was on the cover of our summer issue. So it, by now, anybody who buys the magazine should have that issue in hand. Um, so we also did a feature with him on how many days is enough. He, uh, Jake is a really well-known colt starter. He, he breaks out young horses for some of the top cow horse reining, cutting guys in the country. Um, and he's, he's a busy guy. So he also shows in the cow horse, but a majority of his business is working with really young horses, which I think is super important because we talk about the importance of foundation, you know, uh, letting a horse kind of figure out, you know, what they're doing, not putting too much pressure on them, you know, understanding that their bodies are growing and changing and, and they might not be collected. They might not know how to care themselves. Like just, just kind of really understanding what the horse is, is needing from you as a trainer. But the article is great because, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize when they send a horse, a young horse to a colt starter or a trainer, there's so much that goes into, you know, preparing your horse for the fundamentals for whatever event that you plan on competing in. And it's not just throwing a saddle on him and riding, you know, he talks about the importance of groundwork, you know, teaching your horse, you know, what you want out of him on the ground before getting on, you know, starting in a round pen before graduating to the arena. Uh, we talk about, you know, he takes all of his horses into the desert because he wants to get them acclimated to different atmospheres and not just be in the show pen. Uh, you know, dragging a log, uh, just just desensitizing them to the world around them. So uh, Jake is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this interview. I know, Jillian, you probably don't know much about Jake outside of what you've heard from the interview and read in the magazine. But, um, you know, we're I'm super excited for this interview. But anyway, before we kind of dive into that that interview um jillian what's going on uh in your world i know that you are now at the apha world show you just left the pinto world show not too long ago so you're kind of bouncing around the country i am yeah so we uh, left tulsa a few days ago and it's about a five-hour drive so we came over now we're in fort worth so um the apha world show is off to a good start um we're about halfway through, I think. So uh, one cool thing that's going on here is the IEA Western Nationals is going to be hosted in conjunction with the World Show. So um, it'll be a good place. Like there'll be a lot of nice horses that they get to use that are already here at the World Show competing. And so that'll be fun. Um, I'm going to kind of follow follow it and um, 
work with the, some of the riders and some of the coaches and get some insights. So um, I'm pretty excited about that. I think it'll be be a good um, event. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, all the nice horses that are at the World Show that these kids get to use. Uh, the people, the the kids who are who are competing in this are using donated horses. So a lot of the people that are currently competing at the World Show are donating their their horses for this particular event. Um, and I think, you know, as uh, Jillian also has experience doing the collegiate team stuff, uh, she did the IHSA, I did the NCAA. Um, but, you know, a lot of those horses that we get stuck riding are never like, you know, some of them, don't get me wrong, there are a few that I will always remember and they were fantastic horses and, you know, they just had tiny little quirks about them, which is why they were donated. But you know, for the most part, there's a reason that oh, these horses get donated. Um, so you are you are stuck riding horses that are complicated and require patience and understanding. And you you know you learn a lot on these horses. Sometimes it's really fun to just get on a really nice show horse and be able to do those maneuvers at a high level of difficulty. So these kids are so lucky. They're riding some of the top paint horses in the country and, you know, they're getting to go to the world show and, and compete in this special event. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, me too. It's it's going to be really fun to watch. So um, another thing that just uh, went on was the NRHA Derby. I'm so excited. Trevor Darwin um, on this horse, uh, his nickname is Hercules, and this horse is a crazy stopper. I mean, I've never seen a horse stop like him before. I am obsessed. Uh, I've known Trevor for a very long time. We both grew up in the Midwest uh, showing on the quarter horse circuit together. At one point, he did the all-around. He's actually like a reserve world champion in the horsemanship. Um, mm -hmm. So be before his reigning career started. Uh, but anyway, so it was really exciting to see, you know, somebody that I grew up with doing well. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him on the podcast. I'll have to reach out to him and see if if he wants to do it. Um, but we've done stuff with him for the magazine. So if, uh, if you haven't read the articles that we've done with Trevor, go to the website, check them out. Uh, you know, maybe you can get a couple tips from the newest NRHA Derby winner. We were driving past Oklahoma City and we saw like the signs for the Derby on the way from Tulsa to Texas. And I was like, oh, can we just like pull in there and make a little side stop for a minute? But <laughs> so, but that was exciting. Um, he, he crushed it. Yeah, the Derby is such a fun event. It's it's one of my favorite events to go to. I used to, uh, I was the managing editor of the NRHA Rainer for a while, a little bit. Um, and so I always got to go to these big events to cover it and write about it. And uh, I tell you, I had, I love the Derby and I love the paternity. There's just such a cool atmosphere about it. And that arena gets so loud during the finals. I bet. Yeah, I can't imagine the atmosphere in there. It's probably so much fun. So anyway, um, kind of going off that, let's kick off this interview. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This episode, we are joined with Jacob Berry, who is a professional cult starter. And we heard about him through uh, our friends, the Toytons, who Nicole rides with and I ride with. And so anyway, we started to work with Jacob, and we really love um, all of the things that he's doing. So hi, Jacob, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, so we really like to just start at the beginning here and figure out where your horse journey started. I know I'm kind of familiar with it, but let our listeners know where it all began. Uh, my uh, grandfather owned um, quarter horse racehorses, and uh, it started me down a rough road in the horse industry. Um, no matter how hard I tried to get away from it, it kept pulling me back. Um, kind of was a just a no offense to the rodeo cowboys out there, but I was just kind of a dumb rodeo cowboy through my college years and then kind of uh, needed some side money and started working for some horse trainers on the side. And then it's all history after that. So, Yeah, I know one of my favorite things that you told me in one of our conversations is like the fact that you had a steer wrestling horse that was also a calf roping horse. And coming from a rodeo background, I'm like, that is just so impressive. <laughs> Well, I was able to keep her pretty, uh, pretty good by, uh, 
you know, one box meant one thing, the other side meant the other thing. And, uh, I, I wasn't able to lope her much. Uh, I had to pony her with my head horse, but, uh, other than that, she, she was pretty good. She was ex race horse a little wild, but yeah, it worked. So you said you got your start in the racing with your grandfather being in the, the quarter horse racing. What, what were you doing there? Were you helping at the barn? Were you riding? Uh, you know, I was pretty young. Uh, some of my older cousins got a lot more opportunity to learn and, uh, kind of grow. Um, I mean, it's just like a little kid being around the barn, you know, I picked stalls, did that, did this, um, got to help, uh, later on with a few of the, you know, colts that he was bringing up, but I kind of caught him at the end of the career, but it's, kind of like one of those things, you know, your grandpa did it and you aspire to, you know, he was, he was my, uh, he was like a father to me more than a grandfather. I spent a lot of time with him as a young kid. And so, yeah. That's really cool though. I mean, you're obviously a generational rider. Your family goes back several generations with the horses. So that's really cool that you're able to kind of continue that tradition and, and be in that industry. I know my, my great grandfather was a horse trainer and my grandfather was a farmer. And so it's, it's cool to know that like, you know, the generations before you were doing, you know, loving the same thing with the horses and riding. And, you know, now you're competing, you're doing the cow horse stuff, the performance horse stuff and doing quite well, I might add. Um, so yeah, that, it's just a really neat start. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it just, and my, my whole family, they're still into horses. My, my aunt, they, my aunt and uncle, they race horses. Uh, my cousins who she's like a sister to me, she races horses still. They raise them. Uh, they do, and they do really good. My aunt and uncle, they, I mean, they, they kick butt in the quarter horse racing deal. And the last couple of years they've had like the high money earning, uh, quarter horse, like Philly or stud of the year, you know, one over a couple hundred thousand and yeah so well you know you say they're kicking butt over there but you're kicking some butt in the show pen so do you want to talk about you know some of the things that you're doing in the show pen and like what drew you to the cow horse specifically uh yeah so uh, when i first you know out of college i went to work for a horse trainer and actually doing uh rope horses and i he also did cow horses his name's jay holmes he's down in sarasota florida and after I kind of just got a little taste of the cow horse, I just saw the horsemanship involved and always it's aspired to, you know, have the better horse than the next guy. Cause I kind of come from, even though my family had horses, I always had the rejects, you know, I had the horses, a guy had to work on, or, you know, you had to make it yourself. So I was always looking for the next best thing. And I, I kind of got into the cow horse that way. And, I ended up working for Smokey Pritchett. He's a cow horse hall of famer for five years. And then I worked for Corey Cushing, who is, he's kind of the man. I, you know, it, it's his name coincides with cow horse, no matter what you talk about. I worked for him for four years and, uh, I've been on my own for a couple years, but, uh, I've got some really good customers. Um, I acquired a little colt. He was home raised here in Arizona by a um, veterinarian and her name's Dia Hessian. Uh, he's a Kit Kat sugar out of a really good shiner mare that won a couple world titles in the cow horse. And uh, I just lucky to have a good horse. And I made the open finals at the snaffle bit last year. And I just got home this weekend from a little derby in Paso Robles and made the open finals on him there and was reserving the intermediate. And he just, we, uh, we nicknamed him beer money cause he always pulls off a little cash everywhere he goes. So, it's been a lot of fun. That's a really good name. Um, <laughs> so you said you worked for like all these big time cow horse people uh, most recently before you went on your own Corey Cushing. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's definitely the name, you know, that goes with the cow horse right now. What, you know, what did you learn from him? And when did you kind of realize like, this is the time that I should start and go out on my own and, and you know, continue my, my career um, as you know, your own business essentially. So, you know, I, I started with Smokey and it was funny cause I, Smokey taught me a ton and I, I know you asked a question about Corey, but Smokey taught me 
like all my foundation. And it, it, it was a rough five years. He, I mean, I was, I knew how to ride and I had horsemanship and I, I understood cattle from roping and stuff, but I, Smokey trained cutters and cow horses. And, uh, I mean, he bless his heart. He, he probably was more patient with me than some people, you know, would have been, but <laughs> he, he, uh, he really got me a good foundation on just, just simple stuff, you know, just basic feel and just how to get around some wild horses and this and that. And everybody asked me when I moved to Corey's like, Oh, it, it's gotta be so much different. It's so much different. Cause Smokey's a little more old school. Corey's got that new look and style. And honestly, it, it wasn't any different. Maybe just the thought process behind the same maneuver, like, just just changing the feel of it a little bit or or just maybe how you think about something but everything stayed the same and a lot of people don't get that i mean at the end of the day there's only one way to go left and only one way to go right and if you pull on the reins they got to stop you know it's just but you know cory cory kind of polished me up and gave me a lot of confidence and you know i really i even when I went out on my own, I wasn't sure about it. You know, it wasn't until the second year I was on my own. I was like, Oh yeah, this is a great thing. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always skeptical. And, you know, I'd advise anybody who's wanting to do it. Like I put, I put nine years in an, as an assistant, you know, and that gave me a ton of confidence when I did get out on my own. Cause if I have, if I have problems, you know, I feel like I have an answer. I got an answer in my toolbox to solve it. You know, I can pull out that hammer or that wrench and all right, let's go to work and fix it like this. And, and it's, you know, I have a lot of friends that maybe didn't work for somebody as long and I'm constantly getting phone calls on, Hey, how, what do I do here? What do I do here? And it's like, really, you don't, you know, you don't know how to fix that. So, but you know, I, I'd really recommend anybody to stick it out if you could. I think that's huge because uh, so many, so many young, you know, people who are just getting into the horse industry as professionals, they just want to get out on their own and they want to start winning. They want to have the best horses. And, you know, unfortunately that's not normally the path that happens unless you maybe come from a family who's really well known and is able to provide you with that, you know, the horses and the clients and all that, but that, that's not very normal. And, I think it's so true that you have to go and, and work for somebody to really truly understand all of it. And, and even, you know, not even just the horse training side of things, but the business side of things, you know, learning how they're able to run a business and, and keep it going. And, you know, there's so much that goes into horse training and only one small part of it is the actual horse training. Yeah. Just in the do's and don'ts, you know, like you learn what you really like and then maybe what doesn't fit you and, you know, one thing I, I feel like I really took away from Corey is presentation. Like, I, I feel like when I show up with my horses, like, they stand above a lot of people's because they're they're slicked off, they're fat, they're pretty, and, and they're presentable in the show pen. You know, they just, and they stand out. And, you know, coming, working for them guys as long as I did also, it, you know, I got a lot, I got a good reputation. It's and and so when I did start out on my own, I started with nice horses, you know, people, people saw the good job I did for, you know, I worked for DT horses for a little while, right after Corey's, uh, starting some Colts, uh, that Kelby Phillips ended up showing, he did really good on them Colts. I started and then Corey had done really good on them Colts. I started and Smokey had done really good on them Colts. I started and everybody saw me at the shows putting in, really hard work. I mean, I'd go above and beyond every, every stall and the front of the stalls, the, the concrete was immaculate. You know, I'd spray it off tending the tack rooms and stuff. So people see that and, you know, they, they recognize that and they keep an eye on you and, you know, see where your show care, show career is going. And they, when you do get on it on your own, they really put a lot of faith in you. Yeah, I know Nicole and I actually talk about presentation a lot. We're like, you know, coming from, we both came from an all-around background and showing horses. And we're like, you know, presentation is huge. And sometimes we'll go places and it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of lacking or things like that. So we totally understand how important it is. And actually, I think I'll let Nicole talk about it. But she was actually going to write about how, you know, somebody 
saw something in her that like, oh, wow, you were willing to put in the work and the hard work and the hours and the time to make sure things looked good. And that translates over to your horses. And a lot of people see that, especially the professionals who are going to send you and clients who are going to send you horses. Yeah, that's that's always been huge for me because I came from the world of you had the matching stall curtains and everybody had matching halters and everybody <laughs> had matching blankets and, you know, and then obviously in the all around the, the outfit presentations important hat shape, you know, all the, the fine details, clipping your horse and, you know, blacking feet and all that stuff. Granted, I don't do all of that in the cow horse now. Um, but, uh, you know, it still translates over. I was cleaning my tack at, like, the small local level cow horse show, my first one, and everybody's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Don't you guys clean the tack before you go in? Like, that's something I do. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on, you know, like, stall curtains. Like, uh, Corey did them, and I think they're cool. Um, usually, me being kind of up-and-comer they put me in the back anyway you know nobody sees my stalls so i i tend not to waste too much time with the curtains but and then we're going a little too fast probably for some hoof black but i'm sure you know clip them horses i want them to be slick i'm i'm crazy about them being full like i i always have a grass hay net hung in front of them show horses just to where they always got food in front of them they're never out they always can free graze and be fat and happy you know my grandpa used to say the prettiest color on a horse is fat you know i, I think you can go overboard on that but uh it, you just when you walk into that show pen and that horse stands out them guys are watching you you know them judges they sit up they they start paying attention if you come in and your horse looks sloppy they they're you're already starting off bad and and is the owners are happy you know and other people notice and then pretty quick that sometimes snowballs into more horses and it's it's always you know it's and you'll get compliments going around the horse show like man your horses look great your horses look great you know so it, it stands out well you say it sometimes snowballs into more horses but uh from our conversation i don't think that's a problem for or you know something that you need right now because you have a ton of clients and a ton of horses that you are rolling out with so we've talked about the cow horse but how exactly did you you know, you worked under some of these Hall of Famers and stuff, but where did you go? Okay, I don't want to train these show horses specifically, but like I want to start colts that can go into the reining, the cow horse, the cutting, the barrel racing, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, it just it's kind of the one of those things as you're as you're going through the motions, it's just supply and demand. You know, all these guys are spending so much time hitting the road. And, uh, and a lot of them got decent guys that, you know, that stay at home and do a good job on the two-year-olds. But just like me, I'm only an assistant so long. And then I go out on my own, you know, and anymore, it just seems like the younger generation, there's just less and less people that want to spend the time to learn the craft, you know? And so I, there's just a huge demand for, uh, a good two-year-old guy that does a good job. And then not just does a good job, but realizes what it's going to take for that horse to be a good show horse and, and implement that early and just, and just keep it simple and soft and teach them their job in a good way to where them, when them guys go to step them up as a three-year-old, you know, they, they, they come to the call and, and do a good job. So, I mean, I do, I do like showing, I got a little burned out working for some, like, especially no offense to Corey. I love him to death. He's like a brother, but boy, when we go to the horse show with 20 some horses and there's a lot of schooling all night, showing all day, schooling all night, showing all day, trying to catch a nap here or there in between cleaning stalls and, and shampooing. And it just, you know, I, I really enjoy the last couple of years when I have gone to horse shows, I take four and it's like a vacation, you know, I get away from some of my babies, but the babies, you know, I really enjoy it. You, you get to see that progress every day where, Sometimes them show horses, you're just, you're just keeping it, keeping it simple, keeping it, you know, you're, you're more so just going, no, wait, no, wait, wait on me, listen to this kind of, kind of playing tricks on them, making sure they're not, you know, jumping ahead of you and then just go to the show and go as fast as you can, you know? So, <laughs> but, uh, the babies, you always see that progression day by day and you're just like, man, that's a lot. It's, it's just rewarding for me just to, 
you know, you you work real hard at it and every day they get a little better and you're like, man, this is great. You know, you feel like you're doing something. So. Well, I think that's huge too. Cause like you said, uh, you actually have experience showing the cow horse and, and you currently do show the cow horse. So you know what a finished product should be. Mm. I always get a little cringe when someone's like, Oh, I just sent it to the bronc rider down the road. And you know, again, no offense to the bronc riders. Uh, they are good at what they do. Um, but when you're having a show horse, I think it's really important to put those foundations and fundamentals in early so that you're not having to go back and fix all those mistakes. And so that's huge to have somebody who, who knows both sides of it and can start a horse really well that can go on to be finished, whether it's with you or whether if it's for a client or Corey or whoever, um, and then I also totally get you on the burnt out showing thing because I did that too and <laughs> a lot. And now I'm very appreciative of being a non-pro. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so this year, I think it was the 10th time I showed at the Snapple Bit Futurity. And I've done good in the past too. Um, you know, I've always, I, I, just about every year I want to check in one of the divisions at the Futurity and done well, um, except my first year. The first year was pretty rough. You know, and I think it is for everybody. You have expectations going in, and then you get in there, and you're like, oh. And you're like, I was going so fast in the raining. And then you watch your video, and you're barely pony loping. And you're just like, what happened, you know? Um, but, like, I've always done well. But it seems like every year you come out from it, and you're like, man, I, I'm missing. You got a missing link somewhere, you know? Like, and every horse is different. So they're always going to, you know, you're going to have pieces you don't like or, but it just seems like every year I got a little piece of the puzzle that I was like, I really thought I had that, you know? And I, and, and so I think that's, you know, that really transfers to the two-year-olds and every year my two-year-olds get a little bit, I, I don't know, I'd say probably less complicated. You know, I think the two-year-old guys are, they're, they're so worried about little things that, really don't even exist you know it's little feel things that like i gotta have my horse feeling like this and i gotta have it doing this and sometimes if you just smooth it out and let it be simple then the horses figure it out on their own and and it translates so much better in the show pen to where you don't have to twinkle your pinky finger and wiggle your butt cheek and and tap your nose three times to get them to do a certain maneuver you know so i don't know that's that's the big thing i i notice different in my two-year-olds just just from showing so i don't know i think that method of you know tapping your nose three times sounds like <laughs> a much more fun method i don't know about you but like when i'm out in the show pen that's exactly what i want to do for sure <laughs> but we've talked about like your horses and stuff and how pretty much when you go to get on them you like them to where you know some kind of old man can probably go jump on them because they're so ready to take on that next step and where did you develop that kind of philosophy where it's like, I want them to be, you know, super broke before I even get on them and make them broke in that sense? Um, well, I used to be the bronc rider down the street and, uh, you know, I'm getting it. It's, it's turned into a career and I have, you know, I don't have a big family, but I have my wife and my dogs and I pay for a house and pay for a truck. And, you know, like you start, you start realizing, uh, my income kind of some people depend on it and I do too. So, uh, just being smart, you know, and just, just going about it a better way, just taking your time. Like, uh, and I'm lucky. I have a lot of my horses for the year, so I can, I can really take my time and do a good job. And if one takes a few weeks to get to where we can put a first ride on them, I'm okay with that. And, it just a better experience for that horse too, you know, that that first ride just, you can walk off and if they grab their butt a little bit, you can steer them around in a small circle and just get a hold of their feet again. And pretty quick, you're just jogging and loping. That's how that horse is going to be for the rest of his life, especially if you can do that for the first couple of weeks and pretty quick, you just get on and go and they're, they're completely happy and confident. And you're going to, you're going to iron out a lot of bad spots that maybe you, you would have had, if you just, you know, cowboyed up and just stuck it to them. So I think that's a huge thing to say because, you know, just like people, all the horses that you ride are, are different and their personalities are different and their, their mental capacity to learn something is different. And if we're, we already put a lot of pressure on these horses, especially in the cow horse where we're wanting them at three years old, getting ready to, to do some pretty extremely athletic things. Um, 
And, and to put so much pressure on them in that two-year-old year, you're going to burn them out. You're going to stress them out, give them anxiety. You know, it's, it's great to hear that you kind of listen to the horse and, and kind of learn what they need to, for you to support them and help them. And that's, that's, you know, that's, I think, I think a lot of two-year-old guys get, get focused in on, I got to have that colt doing what them, them guys are doing as three-year-olds and you, and you don't like, I do a lot of, just for like the first 90 days, I do, I do a lot of riding, just going places, just teaching them, you know, you watch a lot of them guys and they get on and they're pulling them around and they're, they're first day, they're just trying to get them like, oh, you got to turn around, you got to stop. And, you know, they're, they're just heaving and hoeing and trying to do too much. I just, I just go forward. You know, I got enough on them to where, uh, you know, I do teach them to step around a little bit and I want them to come back to a stop and I trot circles, but there for the first little while, it's just go places and go places comfortably and confidently, you know, and just, just be comfortable with me up there. And, you know, usually by the time somebody else gets them at the end of the two-year-old year, they're, they're working a cow really good. And they, they just do kind of basic rain work. They lope around nice. They can, I've probably run and stopped them a little bit, but not very much. Um, they have a really nice turnaround and they walk, trot and lope circles. I mean, that's, and they've been, they've been out in the desert and rope swung on them and that that's about it. You know, they're, but I've spent a lot of time doing all that stuff to where they're just super confident to where when them guys get them, they can put all their own feel on them. So um, kind of going, I mean, not going back, but just kind of in general, was there, and this could have been when you were working for, you know, people or when you're out on your own, is there a horse that kind of changed your, your riding philosophy or a horse that kind of stood out to you that really kind of helped you become the, the horse trainer that you are? You know, I wouldn't say there's any one horse. Um, I showed a lot of, and no offense to any owners out there or anything. I've showed, I showed a lot of junk, you know, like I would always get the bottom of the, you know, the, the bottom pick being the assistant and everyone taught me a ton, you know, like, and I got to where I'd go in there and then like people would be like, that's a great horse. I'm like, you guys have no idea. Like this thing is like, you should have seen the struggles we had all year, you know, and just learning how to adapt and, you know, like, even though your work's not, might not be good learning how to get around that horse and, you know, like, you know, it's going to pull on you here, or lean on you here and just learning how to show around it, you know, and just, and making the, making it look presentable in the show pen. And I know that uh, it's, it would be hard to put maybe a non-pro or an amateur on one of those horses and get the same result. But, you know, still learning how to just put them together. And a lot of times, just like I said a little bit ago, like making stuff more simple on those ones to where a non-pro or an amateur could get along with them, you know? And, and the little horse I showed this last year and did really good on that Celtic cat, he, he, he did let me take it to the next level, which, you know, I, I was right on the cusp of, and I, and I knew how I've marked big before, but that's one of the first horses I could go do three events and mark big on, you know? So he, he, he taught me a little bit how to maybe tee off on them guys a little bit more, but um, that's, that's no, no specifics really. Just a lot of, a lot of just learning as you go and, learn how to figure out those maybe not not as big time horses so i think that the not so big time horses are really the horses that make a trainer though because i know that like as a kid i showed some really really nice horses and then i went to college and i did the d1 you know ncaa stuff and you're riding complete rejects you know <laughs> their anxieties off the roof they have you know bad uh, memories of the show pen and you're just like getting on this horse for four minutes and then having to go show and that really that changed my mindset a lot and really I don't know it humbled me I was you know a kid that came off of doing really well and then I was having to ride these horses that like took a little bit of you know skill to ride and and actually go and show and I I credit those to being the reason why 
you know, I, I think I'm the capable rider that I am today. Um, and I credit those horses more than the really nice show horses that I won a lot of stuff on. Cause those are the ones that you had to actually learn and, and do stuff and, and get out of your comfort zone and, you know, try something new. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm fully honest with my owners. Like I tell them, Hey, this one, you know, like this is what he is. And, and me going down that path of no matter what they are still getting them broke, you know, we either can get rid of them because they are broke or a lot of times, like they'll just want me to go through the motions with it, you know, and see, see what we can make. And a lot of times, you know, like I, I feel like so many guys strive for, and I do too. I want that next big time horse. I want a good horse. Like, don't get me wrong. Like if, if I'm going to go show one, especially as competitive, as competitive as it is, I want a good one. I want one that I can go be competitive on, but you know, you can keep a full barn doing a good job on average horses, you know, and there's a, there's 90% of the horses out there are just horses, you know? And so, you know, I try to, I just always try to do a good job no matter what's presented to me. And, you know, as long as I think a guy's honest and upfront with his owner and just not promising, Oh yeah, we'll win the snaffle bit paternity on this one. Or, you know, being just upfront there, everybody's always happy with you when you do a good job. So. Yeah. I think that's the main thing because like you said, not all horses are superstars. <laughs> Those superstars are actually far and few between. You have a lot of, pretty average horses i mean that they they can go and be shown and get the job done but it's just they're not going to go out there and win every single big event so being honest with those owners i mean they, they probably have a pretty good idea you know they put a lot of time and effort into the breeding and getting that horse to where it is but every owner has to know that not every horse that comes out of their barn is going to be a superstar no matter who you send it to whether it's you or somebody else or the saddle bronc rider down the street it still kind of you know it'll have a better opportunity in your hands you know taking the time and being in a performance um, atmosphere but you know it just comes down to the athletic ability of the horse and the horse's mindset and willing to do it yeah and that's that's just it and like a lot of like just like you said they got a lot of time and effort into the breeding and you know a lot of them people don't like to hear well well, this horse ain't going to make it. It ain't no good, you know? And like, you got to be honest with them, but I feel like there's been a lot of times where I have showed up at the fraternity with one and, you know, I might've not just done, I want a little bit here or there on it, but I made, I presented their horse in a really good way, you know? And, and it does cost a lot of money to go to those things. And I try to steer them maybe towards maybe some of the smaller shows that doesn't have as much as uh, the competition and that we have a little bit better chance at. And, you know, just most of the time they're just super tickled that their horse was presented in a good way. And man, I know you didn't quite get it, but boy, it looked good, you know, and they're, they're super happy about something like that. And it's just, you just got to feel out your customer and, you know, see what they're up for and what they're not up for. And like I said, just upfront and honest. And that's about without, you know, I, I feel like there's always a better way than just going, oh, that's a piece of crap or, you know, oh, you don't, you know, don't waste your time on it. And there's some there there are some I, very few and far between. There's been a couple over the years. I'm like, we got to get rid of this thing. This is this is a really bad horse, you know, and usually try to find a way out of it. But very seldom is that the case. If a guy spends a little time and effort, you can usually get through it and make it a decent animal. So. Well, and, and it might not be the world's best cow horse, you know, might not win the snaffle bit, but it'll be a really good horse for somebody, um, whether it's just a riding around horse, a ranch horse, or, you know, taking it into a new event, like the ranch riding is huge now, or the ranch versatility, you know, a lot of those cow horses that have that really good foundation that didn't necessarily make it as, you know, a cow horse in the NRCHA end up going and doing really well in those events. So, I think it's great to, you know, you don't want to just give up on a horse because it's not going to be the next snaffle bit winner, but, you know, find, find what it will be good at. Well, and that's, you know, especially with that, like the new rope horse maturities that are throwing so much money at it. I'll, a big percentage of them horses are ex snaffle bitters and they've gone through that whole program of, you know, like hauling to a few fraternities and having to step up and getting shown and being at the show and, 
they're having all that experience and now they're a real horse, which is in my mind, you know, it's a little easier task, you know? And so if you're competing against, you know, maybe say you, you just kind of started, you barely got your horse 90 days and started roping a dummy on it instead of going through the whole cow horse program, it's going to be really hard to compete against, you know, one of them horses that went down just the show, even if it didn't do good, it went down the show trail and had, I mean, that thing's way more of a finished horse than, than something that maybe just went to the roping pen or just like you said, or the ranch riding, you know, it's, that's a, that's a step down from what we do. So, I mean, it just, it, it, you can kind of take them horses and go any direction, especially if they've been through the whole snaffle bit process. And Yeah, that's what I know that we've talked about barrel racing before, too, is the fact that a lot of those barrel racers really like the cow horse background and those sorts of things because they can take them and they're like, wow, this thing's actually really broke. <laughs> Not at all what I was expecting to get out of my program. <laughs> I, I do, uh, I, I keep, I keep my barn full with some, uh, gals that run the barrel fraternities and, uh, it's funny when they try one of, you know, I, I, every now and then about seems like two or three horses a year kind of end up being a reject that just maybe don't have a very good stop or no cow or something. And I'll, I'll tend to lean towards like my team roper friends or my barrel fraternity gals and try to sell them that way. And <clears throat> it's funny watching them ride them. They, they, uh, them horses have a lot of rate and they're real unsure about, you know, they're not running off loping around and they're, they're, they're not sure how to handle that sometimes. I don't know if he'll be fast enough. I'm like, ah, he'll be fast enough, you know, but they like, they like how they operate and they, they always love how soft they are and, how, how they're just simple you know they steer left they go left they steer right they go right so yeah they have control it, they they're fast yeah. but in a controlled way <laughs> yeah and and you know like we i spend a lot of time with the cow horses teaching body position and i don't work on their face being soft as much as i work on where their feet and their body are and if their feet and their body are right their face will get soft and you know them so they get on them and they start doing stuff with them while their, you know, their body doesn't really get out of whack or their feet don't get out of whack and they're not running around that barrel and, you know, just wiping out that butt around that barrel or, you know, they go to ask them to stop and they stop and they, they, they're really impressed all the time by it. So. Um, well, going, I mean, kind of off that, what would you, I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about like, working for people, you know, before going out on your own, what is some other advice to somebody who you, you know, might be looking to maybe get into the cold starting, maybe get into the performance horse kind of thing. Like what would your advice be to somebody who was maybe in your shoes when you first started? Um, listen, don't, don't, don't think you know everything. You know, I still have, I still go next door and get help from Corey. I, uh, bounce some stuff off Andrea when I see him. I bounce stuff off guys I I respect and revere as great horse trainers. You know, I I got my lifelines. Just always listen. Always don't be afraid of trying something just because it doesn't fit what you know or you do. Just listen, keep an open mind, don't talk back. <laughs> uh basic basic principles like that your dad and mother teach you, I guess. Uh and the biggest thing I think, you know, to keep it, it, it will destroy your confidence every day. If you let it like, even me, I feel like I I'm really good at the two-year-olds. Um, it's, it's very easy for me. Um, I worked really hard to make it easy. You know, it, it didn't come by me naturally. I, I rode a pile of, like, I don't even know how many thousands and thousands of two-year-olds now. And I, I've, you know, you develop a feel where you can feel stuff coming, you know, you can anticipate it. You, you know what this horse has this feel, it's going to do this. This horse has this feel, you know, and I've, I've rode so many different kinds of horses too. I can, I just kind of blend it into one, but you know, the biggest thing is just low X. I, I tell myself every day, low expectations. You know, I have high hopes going in, but I'm not going to expect that horse to be hundred percent every day. Cause if I do, I'm going to go come home every day and be like, man, I should be a greeter at Walmart. You know, I suck at this, 
you know, okay, they will let you down every day. At the end of the day, they're still animals, you know, and I, I'm, I'm riding a bunch of animals that are in kindergarten, you know, and it just, it's like trying to herd cats. You just can't, you're not going to get it done how you want every day. And you just got to be okay with that. And I, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, I suck. And it's like, we all suck. You know, <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta low expectations going in. You'll never get disappointed. You know, I'm always trying to make them horses better, but at the end of the day, like if they're not going to be good, like I'm just going to work through it to the best of my ability and, you know, we'll start off tomorrow fresh. So yeah, them being in kindergarten is like one of my favorite things that you say because it's so true because, you know, you say, you know, you don't send your kid off to school without knowing a whole lot. Same thing with your horse. Give them a little bit of background, but yet they're also still little kids and sometimes they get distracted and sometimes they're slow learners and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. But of your group of kindergartners or first graders or, you know, elementary students, the horses that you have showing this year, what what do you have in your lineup? Uh, I actually, I have just, uh, well, I have my one derby horse. I had two. Um, my good friend, uh, Will Pennebaker, he's out of California. Me and him share an owner. Um, I had a Palomino named SJR Talk and Shine. Uh, and I won, I was top 10 on him at the Reno Faturity last year. And then I just showed at that little Paso Robles uh, Spring Classic Derby. It wasn't a little derby. There was a bunch of added money. And, and I mean, all the all the big trainers were there. Justin Wright, Clayton Etzel, Todd Bergen, Nick Dowers. I mean, it was a tough crowd. But he, he ended up top 10 in the open there and top five in the intermediate. Um, but I just lost him. He went to my friend Will Pennebaker, which he'll do a good job on him this year. Um, so I just have that Celtic cat for the derbies. And then I actually sold all my three-year-olds. So I'm, I, I'm always in the business to, you know, like I, I, I like to show, but I always look out for my two-year-old business. So, you know, if guys are coming looking and I got good three-year-olds or two-year-olds, they're always for sale. You know, I don't mind, you know, at the end of the day, I, my bread and butter is a two-year-old deal. Um, I do have, a uh, really nice little three-year-old um, that's a smooth talking style and his his mother is the mother to Stevie Ray Vaughn so he's a, he's a nice colt um, I don't and then I have a um, time for the diamond that belonged to some friends of mine down here and he's a he's a nice colt those are the only two three-year-olds I have this year um, and I mean they're they're both nice they're not my Celtic cat but they're both dang sure nice um, and then just a whole pile of two-year-olds, which I don't, you know, I never know where they're going or where they're going to end up. I know, I know kind of the destination of some of them, but not all of them. So oh, I try to send them, you know, if, if they want to be sent out to other destinations, I'm all about it. Cause once again, you know, I'm a two-year-old guy. I don't want, you know, and I do, I do start horses for trainers too. So I don't want to be that guy that's going to steal the trainer's horse or, you know, if someone wants to leave one with me and they don't have any concrete ties somewhere, I'm I'm all about keeping them. But at the same time, like I'd I'd love to see them go off to other destinations and do do well in other barns because it's just going to keep me in business. So, uh, was the Palomino the one that's going to be on the cover? Oh, by the way, it's official. You're on the cover of the magazine. Nice. So. Yeah. So that, was it that one? That's the Palomino. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so. by the way, to all of our listeners, Jacob's the one that's going to be on the cover for our summer issue. And then Michaela and him worked on a really cool feature about how many days is enough and kind of breaks down what you can kind of a, a general idea of what you can expect your horse to be doing after so many days at the cold starter or your horse trainers. And so I, it was a really good piece. I'm excited for it. Um, but no, I, I think I think you're the smart one because you I was just visiting you what like a month ago and you have mm -hmm. a full barn of horses you're on a different one every time i saw you um and you don't have to go to the, all the horse shows all the time you get to stay home <laughs> so i think well, you're the smart one out of the group well that's that's a nice thing about having all the two-year-olds is you know a guy can still have a weekend you know i i love i love to bow hunt um, um so i get to take a little time here or there when i can and uh the big thing about me not going to all the shows is then, you know, the owners know their two-year-olds are getting rode. And 
and I kind of, like I said earlier, I have a monopoly on it. There's, there are other guys that do it, but I, not to bang my own chest or brag on myself, but there's only one me, you know? And so I do get a ton of nice Colts and I have a list clear till next year of people on the list waiting, you know, and it, I just, that's really good feeling for a horse trainer. I, I, I know if one stall's empty, it's going to be full tomorrow, you know? So it just, it's, I've, to me, that's, that's just good business practice. And I don't have all that overhead of just beating that road and buying new tires and keeping a big new trailer and truck. And, you know, and then my, my career doesn't depend depend on me being great in the show pen every time I step in there to where when I do go do good, it's just icing on the cake. You know, I, I, I get to, have my cake and eat it too and just have a good time with it yeah i was gonna say you actually get to enjoy the horse shows when you go do it because you're not it's not they every, still stress weekend. they still stress me out more than well imagine, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i also Ooh. really like your philosophy of there's only one you because i think that it's really important that people don't try to look up to others and be the next Corey or the next andrea or whatever like find what you're good at and and do that and be your own person don't try to follow in the footsteps of somebody else that's successful i like that yeah and just you know like there's that fine line between confident and cocky you know but like i think i think to be successful in the horse deal you have to have confidence you have to believe you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that it's gonna work like and because the especially in the show pen the the second you just hold back and maybe don't just go and run and stop that horse or go for that fence turn or whatever it may be any discipline if you if you're not you know relaying that body language to your horse like hey this is what i want you to do and like let's do it with confidence is the second you hold back or get tight that horse doesn't function as good as it can you know and that's you got it you have to have confidence and you have to exude it and you have to you have to just have that mindset like no matter what happens this is gonna work like this is gonna work i know that's i know that's probably like crazy voodoo stuff but it it does it does re like if you run one down there and you're like i we are going to run and stop and this is going to work 99% of the time. It's going to work, you know, it's especially on a good horse. And if you kind of hold back and second guess yourself, you might bounce out of the saddle and, you know, see the city of Scottsdale under your butt or something, you know, so you gotta, you just, you just gotta go with it sometimes. And it just overall in general, just be confident. We actually just had a guy on the podcast, uh, Gil, who he owns a company called Mental Athletics. He's a rainer that lives in Israel. And yeah, so like we just did a whole podcast on, you know, the the mental side of it, being confident and, and kind of having a game plan and, and realizing what you're doing in the show pen so that you aren't second guessing yourself and getting into trouble when you shouldn't. And so, no, I think, I think that's all huge. And I, I think that's a really important part of horse showing that we like to forget. We get so caught up in what our horse is doing that we forget what we're doing. Yeah. And I, and that translates, I know this is kind of going off the spectrum maybe a little bit, but you know, when you are in the show pen, it's got a, you know, it's better to look good and feel bad than feel good and look bad you know and i think so many people are like oh this feels like this feels terrible this feels terrible but just being able to retract yourself from the situation and like i i constantly have somebody video me you know especially before horse show like i just want to see what it looks like or you know i've been around it enough now i kind of know what it looks like you know by the feel especially on certain horses and just just oh he's leaning his shoulder here but you know what if the judges probably can't see it if you just turn loose and let it go. Whereas if you're kind of picking on it and you got a tight rein a little bit, it looks like you don't trust that horse. And, and you know, that kind of rolls into that confidence thing, but just, just learning, you know, learning how to get by and make it look good, even though it doesn't necessarily feel the best. And a lot of times that translates to two-year-olds too. It might not feel very good, but if work on the function instead of the feel, you know, work on, like I want this horse to stop and turn with that cow. And so every time for me, like I, no matter what it feels like or what happens, that horse has to stop and turn with that cow, you know? So I'm going to work to me, that function trumps the feel like, and I'm going to keep working on the feel, but 
I'm not going to distract that horse and take them completely away from what's going on. I just, Hey, this is your number one job and we're going to keep making this better as we go. But a lot of times, if you just teach that function and just keep trying to put your form on it, it, it gets really good. And they have a ton of confidence with it. Whereas you're always like, no, that's not hot. That, that didn't feel right. That's not what I want. I want it better. I want it better. I want it better. You, you really take a lot of confidence out of them horses and you don't, you don't get the, the end product as nice as you'd want it to be. And a lot of times it, you might have a really cool look, but then they just don't do it when you, when you call on them. Well, I think that's something that's really important for, you know, our listeners to take home and, you know, go with is especially going back to the show pin, you know, you, you got to keep showing if, if something goes wrong and you just kind of hole up and try and fix it right there in the show pin you're not really, you know, helping yourself or your horse. If you just keep showing, you know, you might make it somewhere. You might not, you might feel something that the judges don't see and just keep going with it. So I think that's really important for our listeners to take home and then take home with the young horses because they might be getting some young horses at home and, you know, you worked with them and they, they know it, but then going home to somebody who isn't a professional trainer is a, it's a different world for that horse and trying to work through all of those, you know, obstacles is something that the riders have to keep in mind. Yeah, that's well, a good, a good example. This last weekend show, showing my really good horse, Celtic cat. Uh, I walked out of the rain and going, man, that sucked. That sucked. And then they, the announcer come on and was like Celtic cat 223, you know? And I was like, Oh wow. You know? So I knew it wasn't horrible, but it just didn't feel like the ground was a little heavy. And I know that horse always going to stop. And he just, we didn't feel like we went very far and it just, there was little spots that, you know, and so, just like I, you know, the, I took, I, I took my own advice and I just kept showing through it and just staying loose and just, and just going, going somewhere and going somewhere, you know, fast and trying to make points where I could. And it just, it's, it's funny how you'll walk out and you're just shaking your head and, you, and I don't shake my head walking out of that show pen, you know, I don't want to let them guys know I didn't like it, but uh, it, dang sure, you know, I walk out of there and I looked at my wife and I'm like, man, that was it good. You know, it didn't, that didn't, you know, I knew, I knew it was decent, but she's like, yeah, it was great. You know? And so it just, it's one of those things you just, it, it's, it's funny, even as long as I've been around it, it, it still surprises you sometimes. So. Yeah, I know. Even being a barrel racer, the same thing. I know I'm not being judged, but I come out and I was like, that was terrible. And then they announced my time and I was like, are, are you sure about that? Because it did not, <laughs> and then I watched the video and I'm like, oh, the video looks just fine. Mm -hmm. Like that was flawless. But to yep. me, it just felt like. I was a monkey riding a football. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I've, I've had that feeling way too many times. So. Meanwhile, I just don't know what I'm doing in the cow horse. So I just come out and I go, I don't know. Was that good or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting better. It, it's, it was looking good last time you were down here in Scottsdale. So don't be too hard yes. on yourself. Yes. When, when we fell over chasing the cow circling at 10 miles an hour. Yes. Very good. <laughs> You know, and then that going back, that, that made me think of like you asked, like, what would be good advice for somebody coming into it? But, you know, don't be afraid to fail or you got to you got to remember, like even even the Corey Cushing's and the Justin Wright's and the Bob Avila's, we've all fallen flat on our face. You know, like we've all I've I've gone in there and just I mean, just been terrible you know just had nothing go in my favor nothing worked the horse not really try you know and i think there's a ton of people that just you know they're they're afraid to go in that show pen or they're afraid to they're afraid to do something with a young horse and it just you are gonna fail like and that's it's it's like you talk you hear them uh them guys that are the big time batters for the mlb you know like their their success percentage is super low and they get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars for it you know and the horse trainers we don't make millions and millions but <laughs> we same same thing like you know you you can have some really good horses and do good in the show pen but at the same time uh, a lot of what we do is just you know like the horses fail and then you just show them how to get out of it and they fail and you show them how to do it right and they fail like 
it's okay to fail. Like that's part of the training process and building a horse. And like, I feel like so many people try to make everything perfect where I'd rather like let that horse fail, like not just fail miserably and get himself in a bad situation, but at the same time, let him, let him make a mistake. And then, and then, you know, maybe make it some work to get back to being right to where, you know, like if he misses a cow, I might hustle him back over to that cow and he misses a cow and I'm going to hustle him back. Well, pretty quick, he's going, Oh, it's a lot easier just to stay right here. And I don't have to hustle as hard, you know, and, and make them kind of be, be a little smarter and, uh, and, and help you help them to where, when you do get in the show pen, not only do you have them trained, but they're helping you along the way too, to where you're not having to do every little thing for them. So. Yeah, for sure. No, I I think that it was kind of good to get that little fall out of the way when he slipped because now I have it out of the way and I don't have to be afraid of because that's like Monique and I always joke and Monique hasn't had one fall on her circling and she's like, I'm so afraid of that. I don't want that to happen. And I'm just like, oh, I got it out of the way. Like, we're good now. We can just keep going. Like, it's fine. Well, I, but, I, I me from personal experience, it doesn't hurt too bad. So. As long as long as long as they don't come up over you and just slip and fall, usually, usually the ground anywhere we go is is pretty soft and it kind of absorbs you a little bit. Um, there at the snaffle bit futurity finals, I I was sitting really good and I fell down circling to be be really good. You know, probably top five. I I was having a big fence work and that was I I, I think that was almost harder than maybe just having a bad fence work. You know probably would have rather had a bad fence work than be so close to you know a good situation and then just right at the last second just fall down so yeah I watched that run it was it was really good (laughs) (laughs) not not to like you know it was was a really good run and when I saw you fall I felt I was like my heart dropped because I was like oh he was having such a good run it took it took me a few days too. I I uh I told my wife uh you know it, I don't I'm not upset and I'm not depressed, but I just feel really terrible. Like I just it was a weird feeling I had and I don't know if it was just riding that high of making the you know the first year I come back and show on my own accord as as my own person, you know, I make a horse to the open finals and my non-pro makes a non-pro horse to the finals and you know, just riding that just great feeling of just success and then just having it all come to a crashing end like that. Just, and I was still happy, don't get me wrong, and excited for uh, my friend Sarah Dawson for winning it, you know, but uh, she fell the year before to win it. And uh, maybe, maybe this year, maybe, I'll, maybe that same good luck will come back to me. I don't know. I love it. Well, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Are you on social media? Do you have a website? Um, it's kind no. of sad. I I do have an Instagram. It's uh, I think it's at JB or yeah, JB Colt Company. Um, but I don't put a lot of time and effort into social media. I kind of am oblivious to the world around me. I uh, I'm busy enough guy. I just kind of, you know, try to. I appreciate that. Yeah, I try to just. I don't know. I feel like people get so caught up in, in dumb stuff on social media that just it doesn't even really matter. You know, they, they get so absorbed in it. And I try to spend time with my family and spend time at my job. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I enjoy life a little bit more because I don't care about other people's stuff. So. But if you want to see a really great picture of Jacob posing for the camera holding a chicken, you should check out his Instagram. Yeah. And and that's for Kimes Ranch, if I'm allowed to say that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your day to, to talk with us. We greatly appreciate it. And um, hopefully our readers learned, or listeners would learned a little bit more about you and they check out the, the summer issue of the magazine where they can read about some of your training techniques. That's yeah, been fun. Once again, we'd like to thank ADM for sponsoring this episode of The Ride.
guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.